You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. Today we're going to turn our attention to, to Jacob. And uh, Jacob is an interesting character because he, he's, well, he's an interesting character for all sorts of reasons. Uh, we're not going to read the whole story because we don't have time for that. But I'm going to just, uh, I'm going to just kind of unpackage a little bit to for those of you who don't know the story, uh, Jacob grows up in this family um, with, with Isaac and Rachel, um, his, his family, that uh, was, was not perfect. And there was favoritism shown. Uh, it was, uh, Esau was the favored child of the father and Isaac was the favored child of the mother. And uh, when Jacob, at some point in his Earlier years, uh, Esau comes in hungry and famished and negotiates the birthright, the, 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 the firstborn right of the eldest son. He, he negotiates that for himself over a pot of stew. Uh, and Esau, in his great wisdom, forfeits his firstborn right and, and, and eats his bowl of stew and, and loses that. But then we, we fast forward a few more years and when it comes near to the end of of uh, Isaac's life, and it's time to give that blessing to the kids. And uh, we now see this picture of Jacob and his mom come with a bit of a plan to to steal that first son's blessing. And uh, so he disguises himself as his older brother, and he gets the father's blessing, uh, much to his older brother's. Well, he's upset about it, and uh, he's upset about it enough to to know not only did he lose his first birthright, but he also lost the blessing to his brother. He lost everything. And in that culture, in that time, I mean, that was everything. To lose the blessing and to lose the first birthright. Well, he gave it away. He didn't lose it. He gave it away. And uh, in this point of wrath of, of Esau, he, he's encouraged to flee. And uh, Isaac says, you don't, don't settle around here to the other places. Go to your uncle Laban's place. And... Um, that would be a safer place to go. And so he, he journeys to go see Laban and to hide out at his house um, until it all kind of the dust settles a little bit. Now, we pick up that story at this point along the line. Okay, so he's, he's fleeing from his brother and the wrath of his brother after he's stolen the blessing. And we see that Jacob has a dream. He has a dream. He has this encounter with God. And so we're going to read Genesis 28, verses 10 to 22. Jacob left left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and laid down to sleep. Very comfortable pillow. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on earth and uh, with its top reaching to heaven and angels of God ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham and the God of Isaac, I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and I will watch over you wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Now, isn't that very similar to the same promise we saw God give Abraham and God give Isaac. It's, he's renewing this promise through the generations. Then uh, when 
Jacob woke up from his sleep. He thought, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I'm taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I uh, return slightly to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God and this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house and all that uh, you have given me, I will give you a tenth. Hold on, that's tithing. Anyways, here we have the story of he has a sleep, and in this moment of sleeping, God reveals his plans. And he, he reveals his purposes to him at this point. And uh, it's quite a powerful dream, and suddenly there's this revelation. Now, I don't know if this same uh, promise was spoken about by his father or by his grandfather. I don't know if they sat around the campfire at nights and talked about the promise. But at whatever point, this was a revelation to Jacob that this was now his. He wasn't living off the, the promise of his father. He was living now in his own time. And it's interesting, God gives this promise. And unlike Abraham, who just takes it at its word, we have now suddenly an introduction of the word if. In this passage, you'll have read this word if. If God will watch over me and bring me back, if he does this, then the Lord will be my God. Then, if and then, you know, sometimes our Christian walk, we, we can come, we can have that kind of if, if God does this, if, 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 if. Now, Abraham just was obedient to God, right? God says, look, I'm going to promise, I, I got this blessing for you, I got this land for you. And we see that God, uh, he spoke to Abraham and Abraham just got up and left and went. There wasn't ifs, but Jacob has an if. I want you to remember that. If. Now, Jacob arrives in, in Laban's house and, and uh, he has two daughters and falls in love with his daughter. Now, again, this is another time, another culture. It was okay to fall in love with your cousins. Um, and so he falls in love with the younger of the two daughters. And uh, her name is Rachel. Did I say Rachel earlier? Yeah, I'm sorry. We'll change that on the recording. Rachel was not his mom. Is Rebecca. Two R's, two different people. Okay. Anyways, it's now Rebecca, this younger daughter who catches his eye and he falls in... Sorry, Rachel. Ah! <laughs> I did read my Bible before I prepared this message, you know. All right. Rachel, I'm going to read my notes. I'll just stick with that. Rachel, he falls in love with Rachel. He does love his mom, Rebecca, but he falls in love with Rachel. Okay, I'm going to try to get this right. Okay, and uh, Laban says, look, you want my daughter? Fantastic. You're going to have to work for seven years. Um, and so seven years, he works hard, and it just goes by like that. He's so in love with this woman. And, and uh, he comes to the wedding day, happy days, right? Uh, he has the, the wedding, yay, and has a wedding night, yay. And then the next morning, hold on. I got the older sister. With the wonky eye. I don't know. 
um, so she has weak eyes. I don't know what it meant exactly, but something was not quite right with the eyes. And uh, so he wakes up in the morning, discovers that they gave him the wrong woman. And so Laban says, look, in our culture, in this part of the world, uh, it's normal for the older sister to get married first. So if you want to work another seven years, you can have the younger. Well, fantastic. Thank you, uncle. Um, so anyways, he gets, he, he works another seven years, but before the seven years starts, he, he is given, um, he is given Rachel as his wife as well. So now instead of, he gets two for one, I guess. He was looking for the younger. He now got the older. He's got both sisters. Happy days as a man, I'm sure, to have two sisters also as your wives. And that is a harmonious family loving each other. It was a beautiful picture. It's not. So read your, read your Bible. It, you know, all sorts of stuff's going on. God blesses Jacob, though, and he becomes wealthy. And everything he's doing, he just becomes wealthier and wealthier. And and he starts to have his own livestock, and his livestock just outperforms his uncle's livestock. I mean, everything happens in Jacob's favor. He is being blessed. Blessed, blessed, blessed. He's blessed. Everything he touches is blessed. Now, Jacob, at God's awakening, says, okay, it's time. And in Genesis 31, 13... We see God shows up again on the scene of Jacob's life. He says, I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar and where you made a vow to me. Now leave this land at once and go back to your native land. Now it's interesting. God remembers the vow. It's very important, people, church. We sometimes say, God, if you will do this for me, I will. And God said, okay. But sometimes we forget we've said that the if. If you will do this, God, I, I will give my life to you. If you will just answer this prayer and God answers the prayer. And then we forget the fact that we said we really dedicate our lives to him. Or we'd really give that over to him or whatever the situation is. But God says, look, I, I'm now, it's now time to return. Now he, he understands that leaving his uncle is probably not going to be the easiest thing. So he actually flees his uncle. And, uh, we have this whole kind of story play out and, uh, it's a bit of a drama. He now is approaching his homeland. And he's preparing to meet his brother Esau. And he's aware that Esau could still want to kill him. Time has elapsed, but maybe emotions have not. I don't know. Families are interesting. Things can have happened years ago, but people seem to remember hurts. I don't know if you have a family and you've got stuff. But it's amazing how stuff can happen years ago, and yet it still seems to be there. How many know what I'm talking about? Some of you aren't being honest, but yeah, it's true. It's true. You remember, families have a, a deep memory. Families can pull up stuff that, ooh, it's amazing. How did you remember that? Anyways, his brother, he doesn't, he isn't aware, but what he is suddenly told, they, they start to approach the, the homeland, and they, and Jacob is told that there's 400 people, guys mounted, with Esau on a hot pursuit towards them. Now, okay, that doesn't sound like a friendly welcome. 400 men mounted, coming at pace towards him. This is now, that was the whole introduction of my message, okay? I don't even have the timer on, that's amazing. <laughs> okay, here we go. Jacob has a decision now to make, okay? He's now returned. We, we, we tracked the story thus far. He, he, he's, he's just about to face his brother and he has a decision to make at this moment. 
Does he run in fear? He knows that 400 are coming towards him. He doesn't know the, the, the intention of his brother at this moment. He has no idea. He could run in fear or he could commit to God's plan because God said, go back. Right? That's the decision. Do I run? Do I stay? Jacob prays this prayer. And we're going to read it in Genesis 32. All right, then Jacob prayed, O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, Lord, you have said to me, go back to your country and your relatives and I will make you prosper. I am unworthy of all your kindness and, and faithfulness you have shown your servant. I had only my staff when I crossed this Jordan and now I have become two camps. Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid he will come and attack me and also the mothers with their children. But you have said, I will surely make you prosper and I will make your descendants like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. We won't read the next bit quite yet. So here, Jacob does the first thing, which was commit. He said, okay, God, you promised. You are the God of my father. You're my God and my grandfather. You said this is going to be my land. And I'm committing to stay. I, I'm committing. I, I'm, I'm here, Lord. I'm here because you told me to be. You know what? There's something very powerful about being in the center of God's will. You see, we can run when you, you're, you're following God and suddenly the, 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 the enemy or the challenge is facing you. It's easy to turn away at that point saying, you face that moment of fear and you think, do you know what? The stakes are pretty high. I'll just run from this point. But to say, God, I'm here because you've told me to be here. Do you know what? That's a powerful thing to know you're in the center of God's will and to stay put. There's moments that we need to just stand and commit ourselves to the plan that God has put for, before us. If we're to possess the land, if we're to take hold of something, if we're to engage with what God is saying us to engage with, then when the obstacles come, when the enemy comes, when we're facing this, this challenge, we stand. We commit ourselves. There's not ifs, there's not buts at this moment. But God, uh, sorry, Joe, Jacob also says, look, you promised. I will surely prosper. You, you promise this. Jacob's saying, look, I'm putting my faith in your word and I'm not going to run away. You know, there are moments in time where we need to look at what God has already said to us and we stand upon that. You've promised God, so I'm standing. You've said this, so I'm standing. You, you, you haven't deviated from the plan and so I'm standing. I'm putting my trust in you. I know where I'm meant to be and God, my life at this moment is in your hands because I cannot control the outcome going forward. This is suddenly where faith kicks in full, full stop. It, it, it's where we really walk the journey. We walk the talk. We, we really become what God calls us to be, where we say, God, now I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm not going to run. I'm not going to flee this moment. Funny enough, at this moment, no longer is he using the word if, like before. You know, Ephesians talks about when the day of evil comes to stand your ground. To walk in the promise, there are times when we need to face our fears and commit. And not always choose to play it safe. As we continue to follow the story, Jacob has this unusual encounter that very night. And uh, it's, it's for any of you who enjoy watching boxing or wrestling... Anyone out there? 
like watching any of these sports? Some of you are just too nervous to put up your hand right now. Is this a trick question? Should I say yes to that? Yeah? I didn't actually know who won the fight last night. Fury did. Okay, well done, Fury. All right. Anyways, that's a side note. Here we have a wrestling match. Come on, guys. This is, this is where the Bible gets exciting. I mean, there's lots of parts where the Bible gets exciting, but as, you know, for those of you who like wrestling, this is a great wrestling match because it's not just one round. It's not just two rounds. It's an all night round. And so here we're going to read the story of the great wrestling match and then we're going to act it out. Tom's going to come with me on the stage and we're going <laughs> to demonstrate this. Okay. That night, Jacob got up. So this is the night before he's there to meet his brother. He, he, he got up and he took his two wives and his two female servants and his eleven sons and he crossed the ford of Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone. And here we have the strange sentence. And a man wrestled with him until daybreak, as you do. When he saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. The man says, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask me my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called that place Penel. Uh, saying, it is because I saw the fa- God's face and yet my life was spared. Um, the sun rose above him as he passed Penel and he s- was limping because of his hip. Now that night, we, we have this progression of, of understanding. One is that he, he, he commits himself. But then he goes through a process of contending. And uh, I've discovered in my life that there are times when God wants us to be changed. He wants something altered in our lives, but there's a contending with God. And uh, in, this, in this instance, Jacob begins this wrestling match with the angel of the Lord or with God himself. And uh, this wrestling goes on all night until daybreak. And the, the, the man says, look, let me go. And, and there's this, there's this reply by Jacob says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. There are times that God calls us into the ring. And he says, look, I want you to be persistent with me. I, I want you to come and I, 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 I want to get close with you. You know, sometimes we have, we, we can have a lot of strength in our life and we can have a lot of us in us. And, uh, and God says, look, I, I want you to, to come close to me. And I, I want you to be hungry and thirsty. And I, I want you to be desperate for a blessing in your life. I, I want you to contend for something with me. You see, I think we live in a generation or in a time or a people where we like the path of least resistance. We like the instantaneous. We like it, the microwave experiences where we put something in and we get something out. And we pray a little prayer. We hope God blesses. And we, all, we think all oh, this is so nice. When it's so easy, but God says, look, I want to train you. I want to develop something in you. I want to wrestle with you. I, I want to develop it. And that's not easy. It's not just we come to church and it's all happy clappy and we, we go away with our life. But there's moments in time 
where we need to contend for things with the Lord. I don't know your voice, God, in this. I, I'm going to keep pressing in. I, I'm going to take time away and I'm going to fast and pray. I'm going to, I'm going to wrestle with this understanding because I don't quite know and I'm going to contend for it. You see, sometimes I think we're so quick to give up when things don't come instantaneously from God. Even in this, I, I think this whole encounter that Jacob is having with, 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 with the Lord is, is a testing of Jacob. Why was he wrestling with Jacob? It seems like such an odd thing to happen in the Bible. All of a sudden, some guy is wrestling with Jacob all night. What? Where did he come from? Why is he wrestling with Jacob? You know, sometimes it's in the challenges that we're facing, we're also wrestling with the Lord. I don't know if you've ever faced this in your life, but sometimes the, we're, we're challenged with the enemy or the thing on the outside. But God said, look, I'm wanting to do something with you over here. And so, yeah, we got this issue, but now I'm also wrestling with God. As many of you know, my, my father passed away uh, last month. And, you know, these last couple of months, there's, for me personally, there's been a wrestling with God. You know, I understand Scripture. I understand what the Bible says on healing. I understand all of those things. But and when things don't play out to your expectation, there's a, a wrestling with that. And there's not an easy, easy kind of pat answers that you can just say, oh, that you know, that's... That is what it is. Sometimes there's a contending with the Lord to find peace in your heart over that situation. We see that He contends with God. You know what? Despite life's current challenges, sometimes we're quick to give up. But God says, come on in. I, I, I want this moment where you wrestle with me. And it's maybe a a strange thought for us to think this way. But something dramatically happens in Jacob's life through this encounter. Don't be afraid to get in the ring with God. Don't be afraid when God says, look, I, I want you to come in. I want to spar with you. I want to train you. I, I want to teach you something. You know, I was watching the documentary on Tyson Fury and I found it quite interesting, his life in so many ways. But... The training of a boxer, it, 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 what they go through, the sparring, the learning. And then as I was preparing this, you know, the God said, look, I, I want to train you. You see, something happens, which is the third aspect of this whole encounter, is that Jacob is changed in this moment. When we get close with God, when we get personal with God, when we start to contend with God over these deep things of our lives, do you know what? We start to change. And for Jacob, his flesh was weakened. You see, we see the scripture that God, that the, the man cannot overcome Jacob. You know, sometimes there's things in our lives God cannot overcome. Correct? Our flesh becomes very strong. It's us. It's Tyler living. My old nature. And when we contend with God, when we're in that place of intimacy, God wants to weaken our flesh. That He has control. That He is in control. You know, sometimes we are in so much control that God can't have His way with our lives because we want to win. We want it our way. We don't know what's happening in this situation with Jacob, but we do know that God couldn't overpower him until he touched his hip. Can I just say as Christians, spiritually speaking, we should all walk with a limp. Our flesh is weakened because we've been with the Lord. If your flesh is not weakened, have you walked with the Lord? 
Have you wrestled with Him? Has God touched your life in such a way that weakens you? And I mean weakened in the sense of your old life, your old nature living out. You see, God wants to take and develop something far greater in your life, but He has to weaken the old you first. I think the darkest moments, the most challenging moments in my life, God has done the deepest work. I've shared in the past when we moved to, to Brighton, you know, a year into it, man, I hit a dark place. Closest I've ever felt to depression. But in that point of contending with what God has spoken to me, there was something in my life that changed. I realized I had a root of pride and arrogance. There was something in myself. And I look back now and I see God touched my hip. I had to contend for a season for something. I had to wrestle with God over His thoughts, His plans, His purposes for my life. I, I had to work through all of that. But in that, God changed me. And I realized I wasn't the person I thought I was. And I came away through that process limping. Realizing, great God, you touched me. And I, I realize you're greater. And I'm lesser. And I can't do this without you. You see... He was about to face his brother, but now he was in even a weaker state. He couldn't fight his brother. He was now limping. He was now solely dependent upon God over the next day. You see, so God, he, 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 he weakens the flesh, but he also changes his identity. You see, Jacob means someone who deceives, someone who tricks. He, he, his name defined him as the trickster. And that is how up to this point he really was living his life. Someone who deceived. And yet, at this point, God says, look, I'm going to change your identity. You've wrestled with me. Now I'm going to call you an overcomer. Someone who's overcome man and God. Someone who's, who's wrestled with me. And I've changed your identity in this moment. You see, we, we don't like that wrestling with God. We don't like that close encounter. And so we might shy away from it. But actually, it's in those times where we suddenly see ourselves for who God says we are. We walk away from that encounter. Yes, we're limping. We're not the same man that we were when we were before. But now we we can hold our head up high because we know that Christ is with us. He, we know that we're a child of the King. And and like Paul says, look, I'm going to boast about my limping because it's in this and understanding my weakness. I understand the power that's made revealed in this place because I've wrestled. Paul wrestled with God. God touched his eyes. He, he changed him through a process of all kinds of challenges. And Paul said, look, I'm going to boast about this weak hip, about this limp, because I realize his power is made perfect in this. And my identity is not wrapped up in my own self. My identity is wrapped up in who God says I am. And so I'm going to live from that space. You see, so often as Christians, we are trying to live out in our own power, our own understanding, from our own gifting, from our place of us. And God said, look, I want you to come and I want to contend with you. I want to change something in your life. I want to speak something over you. I want to weaken your flesh, but I want you to come into the ring. I want to change you. Don't be afraid of what God wants to do in your life. I'm just going to close. The next day, Jacob meets Esau, and it's a wonderful reunion, and God intervenes and moves in Esau's heart. I just want to, as a closing thought, are, are we living our Christian walk with maybes and ifs like Jacob did at the very beginning? 
Or are we standing in that place of thinking, God, I, I'm committed fully. Whatever happens, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. God is calling us to, to, to step out from that place of, God, I, I'll only trust you if you really do this, 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 this. He said, no, I, I want you to be all in. But I also want to change you. I, 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 want, to, I want you to stand upon my, my word, upon my truth. I want you to be persistent, hungry, desperate for more. Are we willing to let our flesh be weakened and let God's promises be lived out in our lives? Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church, passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.